Hey there, Greybeardians. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Greybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. This is Season 3, Episode 7, and I'm going to be talking about interviewing and presenting as a cybersecurity professional. Talking with and to others is critical, whether working in an entry-level position, talking with end users, other SOC analysts, management, or leadership, it's critical to successfully get ideas and rationale across. During my freshman year of college, I took a political science class. Now, 30 years later, I actually still remember it was PSCI 1101, and I had Professor Stone. I was really excited about the class. I, at that time, thought I might become an attorney, and I loved political science. I thought I was good at writing and communicating, and apparently I wasn't. Uh, one of the tasks that the class was assigned were identifications. The professor would give us a word or a statement, and we had to succinctly define the word or statement. I knew what they all were. None of it was a surprise. I thought I knew how to express it properly. However, I received a C- on my first assignment. I was shocked. I was really upset. I mean, I was devastated. I remember to this day that Professor Stone told me, if you have information and can't share it, you may as well not have the data. And he was correct. And over the last 30 years, I've honed my writing and speaking skills, and I want to share some of the knowledge with you. It's important to realize that no matter where we are in our career or in our academic background, we always have room to grow. When we communicate, be concise, get to the point, and don't quote-unquote bury the lead. I have engineers that will talk and talk and talk and say very little. Focus on the goal of what you're saying and get to the point. I was recently in a meeting actually where an individual was asked a question, somebody else jumped in, and I interrupted that person and said, no, 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 we need to hear from the other person. So not only do you need to be concise, you need to listen and find out who is being talked to, who is being asked of information. A lot of times people ask certain individuals for information because they need to hear their point of view because they may be coming at it from a different perspective. So while you need to be concise, get to the point and not bury the lead, you also need to make sure that you are the intended person to speak. And when you are, be precise. Say what you mean and mean what you say. That's it. That's being precise. The next one is answer the mail. Too often people speak in circles and don't even answer a question that they're asked or they don't present to the topic. I speak at a conference pretty regularly and I really enjoy it. I love the guys that put it on. They're very kind to me. They're very appreciative of my input. And I always get a chuckle out of the fact that the title does not align with what we're discussing. Nobody really ever says anything. We all kind of understand we're cybersecurity professionals and we're going to go ahead and talk to the questions asked on these roundtables. However, for those that attend the session, they're judging it usually based off the title. So when you're writing, make sure that your documentation or the literature that you're putting together answers the question that was asked or the abstract that you're writing to. When you're writing prepare for the presentation or the interview that I'll talk about in a little while and go back to the title again and again and again. So the topic here is interviewing and presentation tips. So when you're writing a presentation or when you're answering questions in an interview, answer the mail, answer the question. Why do we communicate? Maybe I should have started with this. It's pretty basic, you'd think. However, some folks don't understand. And like I said earlier, I have engineers that will talk and talk and talk. Sometimes I think it's just to hear their own voice and to brag about what they've done or to show off all the technical skill they have, when in reality, that's not the purpose of the communication. You need to 
get the point across. Again, answer the mail. You need to answer questions. It's a part of why we communicate. I need to know why did the system crash? Because the memory filled up and the system did a memory core dump and the system rebooted and that was the problem. How do we fix it? Add more memory or find out what is taking the memory and delete that program or fix that program. Answer the questions that are asked. We communicate to provide information. This session, I'm educating, I'm teaching, at least I hope that I am. So I'm providing information to give knowledge to other individuals. We provide information through data, clarity, and insight, telling stories, giving examples, explaining what we've experienced before. And obviously as we get older, we have more stories. We communicate to entertain. Sometimes it's fun just to get up on the stage and talk to people and make them laugh. And whether it's a comic or whether it's really just a presentation and you throw a joke or two in, we do want to entertain while we're providing information. Another example as to why we provide information or how is to persuade. It's to bring people to our point of view. Constantly at work, we have competing points of view. Do we want to build this environment in the cloud? Do we want to build it on-premise? I want to go one way. Another individual wants to go to another way. So we present information. We deliver documentation. We show slides. We talk. We discuss. We debate to persuade folks and bring them over to our point of view. That is a standard part of communication. Now, I know a lot of individuals that do not like conflict. I understand that. Conflict is a part of human nature, and conflict is not a negative. Conflict can bring great positives. When you have two competing views, a lot of times you'll strengthen one of them, or both, and you'll come out with a better solution. Why do we communicate? There's a lot of different reasons for it. It's just understanding that when we do communicate, we need to get the point across, we need to be precise, we need to educate, we need to learn, and we need to grow. How do we communicate? This is a real important key. One of the greatest things that I did in work was taking a class on dealing with difficult people. In the class, they spent half of the time, it was a one-day lecture, so the whole afternoon was on a relationship strategies. It's an interpersonal communication methodology by a gentleman named Dr. Tony Alessandra. I'm quite certain I've discussed it before in my podcast. I strongly recommend individuals look into it. The basic premise of Dr. Alessandra's mechanism or methodology on interpersonal communication is there are four groups of people and each of those four are broken down into the same four. Are you fast-paced? Are you slow-paced? Are you people-oriented or are you task-oriented? I am fast-paced and I am task-oriented. I peg out upper right quadrant. I'm what they call a directing director. Other folks are much slower-paced and they're task-oriented and they're in the thinker category. You have fast-paced people that are people-oriented, that are socializers, and a lot of sellers fall into that category. People that are entertainers, folks that want to talk about others and really get into interpersonal, interesting things. What'd you do this weekend? How's the family? How are the kids? Did you go golfing? Those are socializers. And then the slower-paced, people-oriented are called relators. They're much more compassionate, I find. They are more interested in how are people doing, and they want to solve problems, and they want to care for people, and those are the relators. The reason that I mention this is because when we communicate, it's important to communicate differently with different people. You need to understand your audience. When speaking one-on-one like in an interview, it's a lot easier to tailor the conversation. Are you speaking with a person who wants to socialize and talk about interests and family? Are you talking to somebody like me that just wants to get to the point? Suggestions above that I had mentioned about getting to the point, answering the mail, answering the mail is always true, being precise, 
you need to adjust it a little bit. When you come and talk to me, just get to the point. But when you go talk to somebody that's more of a thinker, they're going to want it slowed down. They're going to want to understand more about why did you do it? What test did you run? What information did you gather? For somebody like me, just get to the point and give me the data. My point about this is how we communicate, it needs to adjust to the audience. If you're interviewing with somebody who sits down and right away they start talking to you and asking, where are you from, how are you, anything interesting going on, and they don't right get into the interview and the job, that's most likely a, a relator or a socializer. And when you talk to them, answer the questions and be friendly and be outgoing. But I'll, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll get to the interviewing in a minute. If you're a director, just get to the point and make sure that you adjust accordingly, as I said. And then when you're speaking with an audience, and this is the important part, when you're talking to an audience, you're not going to please everyone. You're going to have all types of people in the audience. Some are going to want you to just get to the point. Others are going to want you to talk more at a high level and give additional data. Some may want stories. Others just want the meat. You're going to need to create a style and focus on that and then move forward knowing that you're not going to please everyone. If you have the title and you're out there speaking or you did some slides and you're speaking to it and you get to the point and you answer it and you answer questions for those that want more detail, you're going to do great. You're not going to have any problems. You don't need to get into the meat of making sure that everybody's happy. You need to adjust yourself depending on whether you're speaking one-on-one -on -one in an interview, whether you're presenting to a small group with regards to some findings from an incident, or if you found out something new and you're trying to teach people about a new advanced persistent threat that you studied or whatnot. You just need to create the style, focus on it, move forward, know that you're not going to please everyone in a large group, but you can please everybody when you're dealing with smaller discussions. I guess the whole point here really is this. Focus on the audience, focus on the purpose, and adjust your style accordingly. With that, I'm going to move into some interviewing tips. And this is obviously going to be a one-on-one -on -one or a one-on-three for the most part. It's very rare you're going to do an interview with more than three people at a time. Some of these may seem obvious. I just want to say it anyway just so you can hear it and bring it to the forefront for those of you that are in the process of going through interviews now or in the near future. Number one, smile. Be friendly. Be happy. Be proud that you're there. Know that you are in that interview because they asked you to be there. Why are you nervous? They should be nervous. They're the ones that want you, especially today with the job hunting the way that it is and there being such a shortage of employees. Be happy, be excited and know that you're going to be getting a job here pretty soon and you have the opportunity to choose the job you want because there's a really good chance you're going to get multiple offers. When you're interviewing, exude confidence. Don't be arrogant, be humble, but realize you're there because they want you to be there. You have knowledge, you have education, you have information. They want you. Yeah, you want the job as well, and you might even need the job, and that's okay. Don't appear desperate. Sit up straight, sit up tall. Give a solid handshake. Be confident. The next one is, is what I said above. Answer the questions. Answer the mail. If they ask a question about you, answer it. When I interview people, I almost always ask this question. Tell me three good qualities about yourself. People answer it no problem. I'm smart. I'm on time. I'm friendly. I'm helpful. They don't have any issue with that. I then ask a follow-up. Tell me three negative qualities about yourself. Nobody has ever given me three. Nobody. Why? I don't know. I, we all have weaknesses. Self-introspection is important. Know yourself and know that you're not perfect. A professional relationship is like a romantic relationship and honesty is key. You need to be honest. I know that I'm opinionated, I'm impatient, and I'm stubborn. Those are three of my negative qualities. And I could actually go on and on, but they want me to stop at three, and that's cool. Be comfortable with who you are. Know who you are and share that information with who you're interviewing with. Because you know what? 
If you're opinionated and you're stubborn and they don't want somebody that's opinionated and stubborn, you don't want to work there because you're going to be miserable. You're going to get in trouble all the time. You're going to get written up and you're going to get fired. It's better that they know who you are. Answer the questions and that leads right into number four. Be honest. Interviewers can see through dishonesty. If you don't know, say you don't know. If you don't have that experience, say you don't have it. And put in a caveat. I don't know how to do that, but I love to learn and I'm excited to join this company and learn with you and grow with you. If you don't have a technical answer, say so. I don't know, I haven't been dealing with SSL certificates, but I'm really excited to learn more about public key infrastructure and encryption. I wanna solve problems, and I'm looking forward to joining this company so I can do that with you. I can grow as an individual and help your business grow as well. Sounds great, doesn't it? You don't know, but you want to know, and you want them to hire you so you can learn. Ask questions. Interviews are bi-directional. You ever go out on a date and not ask the person that you're talking to about themselves? That's crazy. If you're going to want to spend more time with this person, you're going to want to ask questions. An interview is the same exact thing. You are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. Questions you can ask. Ask about job security. Ask them when was the last time they did layoffs. How often do they do layoffs? What's the structure of the layoffs? Is it performance-based or last in, first out? Years ago, decades ago now, I was actually about to be laid off from a company because I was the newest hire. The irony was that out of 30 people, I was the only one that had a Microsoft certification and a bachelor's degree. Other people may have had one or the other, but they didn't have both. And I was the first one out the door because I was the last one hired. To this day, I think that's a stupid way to do it. However, that was their process. You're going to want to know that type of stuff. Ask them about raises and promotions. How often do they do it? I have a friend who has not received a raise in seven years. He gets bonuses periodically, but his base salary is the same. I'm like, why are you still there? Well, they haven't fired me and I'm comfortable and I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with that. You haven't gotten a raise in two years. Go, leave, find someplace else to be. Find out what their process is. These are important. If there's other things that are important to you, is there travel with this position? How much time off do I get? They'll talk about benefits, but ask them, you know, what happens if I want to do something spontaneous or how do you do holiday time when everybody wants that time off? Whatever you're concerned about, ask. It's a bi-directional conversation. Number six in the interviews, be prepared. Investigate the company. Learn about their history. Understand their revenue and their size. Do you want to work for a $50 billion company or maybe a $50 million company? How many employees do you want to be around? Both have their own benefits. Be prepared. Ask them about their plans to grow. Do they grow organically by just selling more products and inventing more? Or do they grow inorganically by acquisitions? How do acquisitions affect employees? How about divestitures? Do they break off pieces of their company periodically? And if so, do they also do layoffs at that time? These are important questions. And if you know about the company and are prepared, you can ask them. The next piece of being prepared is talking about what you've done. Not what you would do, no hypotheticals. Talk in the I did voice. When I ask interview questions, I actually say, tell me about a time when you had a conflict with another person, what was the situation and how did you resolve it? And then when people go, well, I've never really had a problem with anybody, I'm kind of new on the job, I say, okay, fine. Did you ever do a project in college? Oh yeah, there was this one time where Joe never did his job and we all had to pick up for him. Oh great, well, tell me the story and how did you resolve it? Talk about what you did, even if you're going back to high school, that's fine. You need to tell them about examples as to what you really did because hypothetically, everybody's going to be perfect. No hypotheticals. Be prepared and talk about what you did. Hopefully, those are going to help you on the interviewing side. I'm going to go ahead and move forward now and talk about public speaking tips. It's important to realize that with COVID, public speaking changed. 
We now present virtually as well as in person. And truthfully, in the last 18 months, I have presented almost exclusively remotely, and I've had to make some adjustments. It's been difficult, and I want to go ahead and share some of those tips with you. The strategies are mostly the same when you're talking. However, loving a camera is a lot harder than looking at people's eyes as you have an audience in front of you, but I'll talk about that shortly. The most important thing that's the same, though, is you need to portray yourself in a professional manner, whether you're on stage in a coat and tie or in a dress or, how, or a blouse, however you want to dress, dress for success and be professional. Virtually, dress for the occasion. At the very least, have a collared shirt on. Don't wear any t-shirts with artistic designs or collarless shirts. I have an individual that I work with and he wears what I consider Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory t-shirts, the lightning bolt or the green lantern. They're cartoons, they're comic books. It's just not professional. It doesn't respect your coworkers or your audience. Dress for success, be professional. I don't understand why people show up in it. I literally have seen this too. They just have a, a dirty white t-shirt, a plain white t-shirt, no collar. It's an undershirt. It's literally an undershirt. And I have been in meetings with a senior level individual wearing an undershirt. I don't understand it. I don't like it. And when I talk to people, you need to dress for the occasion. And whether you're on camera or in person, it should be the same thing. Check your background. You may want to use the blur feature that exists in some of the tools like WebEx and Zoom, or you can use a virtual background. Know the virtual background, there's a problem because the camera has trouble telling where the reality ends and the virtual begins. I have a high back chair and it starts to fade in and fade out and it's a bit distracting. Individuals get bothered by it. So just know what your background is, check it. The best thing to do is just to have your native habitat and if you have dogs or cats running around in the background, that's fine. People like that. It shows that you're a person and they learn, they learn a little bit about you. With that said, make sure that there's no noises, no babies crying, no dogs barking, no keyboard banging. I have a mechanical keyboard and I make sure to, as often as I can, mute my microphone as I'm typing during a meeting so I don't distract others. It can be very distracting when there are third parties causing noise or movement outside of the presentation. And this, again, whether you're speaking to an audience for a true presentation of 50, 60, 80 or more people or three or four people in a WebEx, you should use the same virtual tips. Again, dressing properly, checking your background, no noises. The next one is looking into the camera. The camera is your friend. The camera is your audience. It's okay to glance at a monitor for data every now and then and look at your notes, that's okay. But the camera is what the audience sees. So if you're looking over at a door or you're looking up at another monitor or you're looking around or behind you, people see that and it's distracting to them. Look into the camera, talk to the camera. Make sure the camera captures you from your shoulders or neck to the top of your head. Don't only have your eyes or and the ceiling or your chin and your stomach. I've seen both that look silly. And pretty regularly, I'll actually shoot people a Slack message at work and say, hey, you may want to adjust your camera. I only see your eyes and your forehead. And then a lot of times they'll just turn it off. I don't understand that because I know every one of these video programs shows you what you look like. You need to look, you need to understand, and you need to adjust your camera or your physical posture accordingly. The last one I'm going to say is validate your share. If you're sharing content, Make sure that you are sharing just the PowerPoint or just the Word. You don't want to share your whole screen. I've had personal situations where a Slack message will pop up during a presentation. I had one instance many years ago where somebody had a browser open 
and one of his tabs was searching adult content and I had to do some damage control. It was a vendor, I was the vendor manager and I had some employees very angry that this guy is presenting with adult content in a tab. They didn't see the content, but they saw the website that he was at from a tab's name. If you're sharing a browser, make sure you know what tab is open. Again, validate your share. Email pop-ups, Slack, or Teams, they'll show up and do an overlay if you're sharing your whole screen. Those are the virtual tips. The next thing I want to talk about is public speaking in general. The ones on the virtual, they apply to virtual, and some of them also apply to physical, but these really are overall for presentation. So again, as I mentioned in the interview, be confident, speak loudly, speak clearly. You are the subject matter expert. You are asked to speak, whether it's an interview or at a presentation or at a meeting that has content, because you're the person that knows it. You are there for a reason. Know that. Exude that. Be confident, speak loudly, be the person that they believe you are because you are that person. Engage the audience, look at them. And this is where it's much easier when you're in person. It's almost impossible to do it virtually. I've done presentations for 50, 60, 70 people virtually and maybe two or three have their camera on. So then I can at least see if they're bored or if there's eye contact and I can see a name, I can call on them. It is more difficult, but you do need to engage the audience. Move your eyes around when you're in person. So let's get back to being on stage or being in a room with folks. You want to look for feedback like head nodding or shaking. Are they agreeing with you? Are they not? Are they frowning? Are they smiling? Try and pull them in from the facial expressions. If you say something and somebody's frowning and shaking their head the other way, say, what did I say there that you don't agree with? Is there an area that I could uh, adjust it? Or what are your thoughts on that? If somebody's nodding and smiling, call them out and say, I see that you agree. Have you experienced this as well? It's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and say that, yeah, engaging an audience is simple. It's something that I'm trying to get better at. I do know that it's important. Think about the best presentations you've been in. What have you enjoyed about that speaker? How can you duplicate that or replicate that in your session? And this is a major reason why I find virtual presentations more difficult. I just can't gauge the audience. So when you're in person or they're all on camera, try and take advantage of what you're seeing. The next part of the presentation that you want to follow is be organized. Know what's next. Know what's coming. If you start talking about a topic and then you're going to elaborate later on, say that you're going to get to it later on. I believe actually I did that earlier in this talk where I said, oh, I'm going to get to interviews later and now I'm talking about public speaking, but I've already talked about interviews. Go forward and also go back. Oh, remember a few minutes ago when I said this. Be organized, talk in a line, and then go back as necessary. Remember that I mentioned this. Be visible, walk around, make eye contact, use hand gestures. Show interest, give off energy, draw in the audience with questions or examples. Ask about the audience while you're speaking. Give me a show of hands of how many people have used the Palo Alto firewall that we've been talking about. Maybe you start off with that. How many folks here use a firewall? Everybody should raise their hand. All right, who uses Cisco? Who uses Checkpoint? Who uses Palo? Who uses Fortinet? Oh, anybody else? What, what do you use? I saw, sir, you didn't raise your hand or comment. What firewall do you use? Bring them in. Give off the energy and draw the audience in. Know who you are talking to. If you're talking to executives, you need to tailor the conversation to that audience. You might have to talk more at a high level and mention, hey, this is a firewall. This is what it does. This is what we use. If you're talking to the firewall administrators, then you may want to start talking about these are the rules that we have. These are the objects. These are the networks. This is the segmentation that we're using. As you're presenting, you need to make sure that you're presenting to the right people. Is the group that you're talking to implementation? Are they sales? Are they consultants, etc.? Know who you're talking to.
practice, practice, practice. Before I'm doing these presentations now, and if those of you that are interested, if you go back and listen to my first few podcasts, I had a little three inch by three inch sticky note with five bullet points and I talked to it for 10 minutes. Now I'm writing out 1500 words in a four page word document with bullet points and statements and I read it, I I write it and then I read it and then I reread it before I record and it works a lot better. I'm able to give more content. I think I'm able to provide it in a better fashion. I practice, practice, practice and that's what you should do as well. Some people want to do it in front of a mirror. That's great. Others will just stand up in the, in the living room and do it. Find out what works for you. If you have a friend or a, a partner or somebody that you can present it in front of so they can gauge what you're talking about and see if it's a value, do it that way. Just know what you're going to talk about and practice and gain confidence. If you're interested in finding opportunities because you do want to speak publicly, reach out. I'm very familiar with the call for presentations, and I know places to send you. If you do want to hone this skill and or increase your eminence by doing public speaking, again, send me a note at cybergraybeard at gmail.com, and I can help you out with it. That's about it. I know it sounds easier than it is. I'm not going to sit here and say public speaking is easy. All you have to do is follow this 25-minute talk and you're going to be golden. No, it's not like that. It's like anything else. You have to do it. You have to practice it. And for some folks, it's terror. And I respect that and I understand it. It's important, though. There are things in life that we don't want to do that we have to do. And public speaking, even in front of two or three people, is necessary in cybersecurity. We have to share the knowledge we have, whether it's about an individual incident, whether it's about a new technology that was deployed, whether it's about a new advanced persistent threat. Whatever the case may be, we need to share this knowledge. And you are a subject matter expert. You are becoming a greater subject matter expert. And you need to share that. You do have the desire to excel. You do have the ability to push yourself to learn, grow, and advance. I know you can do it. I'm here to help. I'm the Cybersecurity Graybeard. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk with you again soon.